Auburn heads up to Penn State for college game day, volleyball continues its streak, and Auburn soccer comes up short against the number one ranked Florida State. Hey everybody, I'm your host Kristen Carr and we are back for another episode of Payday Podcast brought to you by the Auburn Plainsmen. Really excited for this week. It's been a pretty good week for Auburn sports so far and we've got Dylan Fox here with us today. Glad to be here. Uh, ready, ready to talk Auburn football. Obviously it was a big win and of course Auburn volleyball is still undefeated. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we are going to start off um, talking football. And just going to do a little bit of a recap for you guys um, for Auburn's game against Alabama State this past weekend. So just really starting off, like Auburn has the number one scoring offense and defense in the country currently, uh, which is kind of a surprise, but um, a pleasant one, I, I suppose. It is a pleasant one. Uh, obviously, also the best rush defense. Uh, I'm not sure what the uh, official number is on that, but I know that right now they are the number one rush defense in the NCAA. Uh, does some of that have to do, or at least in the FBS, does some of that have to do with their early season schedule? Absolutely. Akron and Alabama State are not indicative of what they're going to be, uh, who they're going to be playing for the rest of the year. However, beating even bad teams, beating them by such a big margin is such a huge uh, sign, a good sign for for this this Tigers team and this this new Harson era. Yeah, I mean, it's got to give them some confidence, I feel like, especially having that 60-0 to zero number, um, especially for the defense. I mean, all the credit goes to them because they really had an amazing game. Um, you had Zacoby McLean with 17 tackles, and then um, Roger McCreary with that interception um, returned for a touchdown. So the defense got to score a little bit, which was, which was nice to see, I think, and uh, probably a good confidence builder for them going into – the Penn State game, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But what was your impression of the offensive line for that game? Uh, for the Auburn offensive line, uh, I was I was fairly impressed overall. Uh, there were a few sacks. I know uh, Bo Nix had that one fumble, uh, and that's that's kind of regrettable. But even in uh, large blowout games, there there will be a few mistakes. Overall, I think from a rushing perspective, it was fantastic. I think Jarquez, that's the reason Jarquez Hunter was able to get so many yards over the past couple of games, he was able to have that 94-yard run, was just these huge, big, gaping holes. You can see that from, I mean, compared to the Gus Malzahn era, these linemen are a lot bigger. They're a lot slower, sure, but they are a lot bigger. Uh, and, and that really lends itself to this, this ground-and-pound uh, offense um, and it's not like they can't throw it. I, uh, Bo Nix <laughs> showed plenty of that in the Akron game, but I, I, I do believe that uh, this bigger, stronger O-line uh, will allow Tank and Jarquez and Sean Chivers when he returns uh, to rack up plenty of yards. Yeah, yeah, and I do want to touch on a little bit. Um, I felt like they were a little bit sloppy in that first half. I mean, it is an 11 o'clock game, but um, you know, looking forward to Penn State, how important is it that they start off on a good note? I mean, they had more penalties in the first quarter of this um, this past weekend's game than they had in the entire game against Akron. So, you know, what do you think is, is the message that Harson's sending to his team about just, you know, consistency and all of that and starting off strong? Auburn's going to have penalties in this Penn State game. You can't avoid it in a whiteout. Uh, we should reiterate how incredibly loud – uh, that this this stadium can get in, in, in Happy Valley uh, on a whiteout. So there will be false starts. There will be encroachments. There will be all of that. 
and it's a little scary from uh, for Auburn that they were having those penalties in, a, in an 11 a.m. game against Alabama State, mm-hmm. where the crowd really isn't that much of a factor. I would say the the crowd actually did show up. Uh, the the announcers on TV were saying the same thing. They were somewhat impressed that uh, it, it, the state the stands looked packed uh, at kickoff. But what's most important to them is to take the crowd out of it. And so that's exactly what, what you were saying is they have to get up early. They can't have these early mistakes. They can't. They have to ignore the crowd. Uh, Harson spoke earlier at his press conference that they're trying to emulate the sound however they can, whether it's using speakers or just all the coaches and players shouting as loud as they can as they're trying to run plays. But that's the number one goal for Auburn coming into this weekend is take the crowd out early. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be college game day, like you said, Penn State Whiteout, they're known for that. Yes. <laughs> they're known for how loud that it's, they can get. It's, it's incredible to watch on TV. I can only imagine <laughs> what it's like in person. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a pretty electric environment, I, I can imagine. Um, and, you know, it's also going to be the first game that we'll see Auburn play away under Coach Harson. Uh, what do you think um, Harson is trying to prove in this game? You know, they can play well at home, but it's – so important to be able to also execute in an away game. I mean, they're kind of starting off in a hard place yeah. going to, you know, for Absolutely. their first away game. This is, this is about the hardest first away game you can, you can have. And, um, uh, maybe other than, uh, like a games, a Gainesville or a, a death Valley night game. I, this, this <laughs> might, this might take the cake, but, um, if I know Coach Hartson, I know he's absolutely 100% ready for it. Like, this is, he's not scared at all. This is his chance to prove that he can come in first-year head coach and uh, and, and take a program and, and get a huge win like this. Uh, there's not too many teams, no matter how good or bad Penn State is year in, year out, that can go in and win in a whiteout. Uh, we saw Ohio State a very, very good Ohio State team not too long ago losing a whiteout situation by making a lot of really bad special teams mistakes, uh, which that kind of environment will will definitely bring about. Yeah, yeah, those little mistakes I feel like can really make or break those those games, those big games where, you know, you have to be so consistent and pay attention to those little details if you want to be successful. And, you know, just looking at the offense what do you think their game plan and their strategy is going to be um, going into this game against Penn State? Well, looking at Penn State, the the, the one game I wanted to look at because they played Ball State uh, this week, and and I, that's not as much of a mashup. But first, the week one they played Wisconsin, and they and they they won. Uh, they didn't allow a single touchdown uh, against the Badgers, and uh, I I didn't watch the game. I saw the score and uh, watched the highlights, and I was thinking, well, wow, their their defense really showed out. Their defense. Uh, really made amends. They, the Wisconsin's top rusher. Wisconsin's known as a rushing team. They've always have been. Monty Ball, uh, Melvin Gordon, uh, John Clay. Those guys. Those guys made Wisconsin what they are. Now, Wisconsin's top rusher still had over 100 yards. I believe he had uh, around 128, 130 yards uh, that game. So Penn State's rushing rushing defense may not be as exceptional as you know the the score would would show you I, I think Graham Mertz uh, the Badgers quarterback struggled a lot that game which obviously it's a week one matchup you, you expect that but I think I, I, Penn State's rushing defense has a lot to prove so I think Harson's best strategy would just keep it on the ground they have the depth if they have drivers back for this week 
that they they have the depth to go. I mean, three deep with these running backs and can run a huge variety of plays, uh, and and you know play, use play action off of that as well. So I think that's that's the main strategy for for Auburn is is to keep it on the ground. Um, and those plays are simpler; those are easy to call at the line. Uh, so you can take the crowd out of it as well. I, oddly enough, uh, you know the the long passing plays can kill a crowd, but slowly and surely, you know, pounding the ball like through the middle for eight yard gains consistently mm-hmm. that can take just as much energy out of a team. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think uh, I think they're going to be definitely relying on that on the run game. I would also like to see, um, you know, Harson has talked about their use of tight ends. I want to see them actually really, really do that. Yes. And it'd be nice to see, especially in this game, um, just s- kind of play around with that and see what does it look like to use those tight ends in a really game-changing way against Penn State. I mean, a lot of times we see, we've talked about this before, where you know, tight ends are typically used a lot more in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Harson is kind of taking some of these little things from the NFL that the NFL uses a lot and a lot of college defenses are not used to seeing. And so I think it would offer them a little bit even more options, you know, other than their extensive run game option, um, to have some offensive success on the road. Hey, this is Miley, podcast editor for the Auburn Plainsman. If you like this podcast and would like to support this organization and our team, you can visit our website at theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Thank you so much in advance. Now back to the show. All right, now we're going to change gears a little bit, and we're going to be talking about Auburn Volleyball. So um, they advanced to 6-0 and um, to hold on to their winning streak uh, this past weekend, and um, this is the first time since... 2012 that they've had this record um so they're at the top of the sec standings believe it or not with Ole Miss and um as the only undefeated programs in the conference so what do you think this says about the the rest of the season for them it's definitely a good sign I can tell you that until Santa Clara uh on Sunday they hadn't dropped a single set now I understand their schedule it might it's probably better than football's it's probably more rigorous than football schedule so far but it's 100 percent incredible that they they hadn't dropped a set until until the other uh, until the other day uh against santa clara and um that consistency that level of dedication and dominance in a sport that is incredibly back and forth it's very hard to get a foothold in in in, in volleyball and sweep it's very hard to be dominant in, in, in ncaa women's volleyball and they've been able to dominate almost every team that they've played so far that goes up to Coach Crouch because before this, Auburn Volleyball didn't have that ability. Now Crouch has has made it so that they look organized. They are always in they are always in the match no matter what. Santa Clara uh, exposed a, a few weaknesses I think in in that Auburn uh, defense, especially in the back row. There was definitely a few issues defensively. Bella Rosenthal had a had a two straight uh, twenty twenty dig matches, which is uh, uh, props to her. But a lot of that defense. Uh, really struggled in, in the first few sets. Rebecca Rath uh, had a few service errors. However, wherever she went, she absolutely murdered the ball. 
she from the back row, from the front row, anywhere she was, uh, you know, it was uh, it was just a set to her, and it was an automatic point um, when she was able to get a, a good hit on it, uh, or and she threw in a couple changeups as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, she had twenty four kills uh, in that game, and it's actually uh, the first time since twenty eighteen that Armand's had a player over 20 kills in and one game Tatum so, Shipes, i believe yeah in 2018 yeah uh so uh, and tatum's there tatum uh i think her move to middle blocker really worked out uh she's she's been everywhere and she moves really well in the front row so uh we'll we'll definitely see a lot more of her there yeah it'll be really interesting i think um it it, it was an interesting choice for him to move her there um you know it's not something you typically see to be moving around so no. much and um you know, I think Crouch is really trying to get everybody in the positions that really highlight their skills the best. And so I think it's a good sign of what's to come for her because, you know, she was doing pretty well, um, but it'll be good to see her. It seems like she's really in her element now in this position and doing what she can really, like, live up to her potential and be capable of. Uh, 100%. She has uh, amazing instincts, and that really helps her. Um, she, she, uh, has, uh, great reads on the ball. She, uh, uh, understands, um, the, the, her positioning really well. Uh, so I, I think it really worked out for them and it's, it's obviously really helped, uh, Auburn so far. Yeah. And, you know, we also had, um, you know, Liz Reach was also a pretty big impact player from that game as well. And she's, she's just kind of proven to be consistent for them, a consistent 100%. leader. And, um, you know, she's set a season high, uh, with 17, 17 kills yeah. yeah and um i mean to have three players like that leading the team being consistent um you know i think it says a lot to how they've gelled early on right now and you know crouch was saying in his press conference he said you know this is the toughest toughest team we've played this season they've exposed some areas where we need to get better but what i was most proud of was that even when they exposed those things, we didn't let it derail us emotionally. We kept coming back, did the right things, and in the fifth set, uh, set to win, it was a great win. So, you know, just kind of, he's he's proud of them for just staying in the zone, staying focused. What do you think that says for them to be able to, you know, now head into these other games with that behind their backs? Uh, they know that they can hang uh, in, in any match. You know, they're, this, they're going to play tougher teams than they have. Santa Clara is far from a bad team. They've, they uh, they didn't just make it close with Auburn. They also made it close with with Clemson in the past week uh, in their little southeastern tour that they're doing right now. So um, it, it really proves that once the, the SEC schedule starts that they're able to take on anybody, including Ole Miss, who I believe is their first uh, SEC matchup. This weekend they have a, a, a home tournament. Uh, and then next week it, it starts with Ole Miss. So what a, what a start for them. Yeah, it'll be really interesting because, you know, like we said at the beginning, there's they've it's them and Ole Miss right now yeah. that are at the top um, of the SEC. So that'll be a really fun matchup uh, to watch for sure. All right, thank you so much uh, for coming on, Dylan. It's always nice to have you. Appreciate your insight. Always good to be here. Hi, this is Trice Brown, multimedia editor for The Plainsman, and here's your news for the week. Last week, 188 positive COVID-19 cases were self-reported by Auburn students and employees. This marks a decrease from the first two weeks of classes where 424 and 360 cases were reported, respectively. Last Thursday, the first black student to enroll at Auburn, Harold A. Franklin, died at the age of 88. 
Franklin enrolled as a graduate student in 1964. The administration denied him the chance to defend his master's thesis, which he wrote in 1969. Last year, Franklin defended his original thesis, which the university finally accepted. And last Friday, the Auburn University Board of Trustees approved the installation of a plaque in front of Wallace Hall to contextualize its name. Wallace Hall was named the former Alabama governor and self-described segregationist George Wallace. The plaque describes the, quote, complexity of Wallace's legacy, end quote, including his racist history and later apologies for segregationist words and deeds. There is currently no timeline set for the plaque's installation. This has been your news for the week, and now, back to the show. All right, guys, now we're going to be talking Auburn soccer, and, you know, they're currently ranked number 10. They fell 2-1 to one against the number one ranked Florida State, and, um, you know, that game happened on Sunday, and that was just coming off of their 11th straight win against Alabama NM. and m um, and, you know, Carly Thatcher... She turned in the 14th hat-trick in program history, scoring three goals, um, and was actually named SEC Freshman of the Week for her performance in the Alabama A&M game. Um, and so, you know, that that came out on Monday, and um, just really exciting for them to have such a, a great turnout for a freshman like that, to have three goals in one game um, is so impressive. And, you know, so that was in the Alabama A&M game, and then they come in, and they're playing... Florida State on Sunday, and um, it was definitely a really highly contested match. The whole game was just um, a lot of it, it was it was heated. It was um, very competitive, and um, you know, eventually, obviously, they did uh, lose two to one. But you know, to have such a great performance against the number one ranked team in the country um, is quite impressive and I know um you know after the loss to Florida State Coach Hoppe said um we learned a lot today we got better as a team today um she said we gave our chance ourselves the chance to beat the number one team in the country and now it's our job to learn from this and take this into SEC play she said um there's no better preparation for the SEC next week than this game today and then we got to work to earn a second shot on them in the playoffs. So obviously, uh, it, it's kind of funny that they're already thinking. They've already got that chip on their shoulder. They want to play Florida State again. Uh, they want to be able to uh, have a little bit of a rematch there and uh, and execute even better. Um, and, you know, like Coach Hoppe was talking about, Auburn's going to begin their um, their SEC schedule by facing Georgia on Friday, uh, the seventeenth, and uh, that'll be a home game. So that'll be nice for them to be able to to be at home again, just to start off that SEC schedule. Um, but you know, Coach Hoppe was just so proud of them. She was talking in the press conference, and she was really pleased with their performance overall. And um, you know, but again, like I said, there's they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder now. So heading into the rest of the season, they know what they're capable of now. They know that they have the ability to execute and to compete really well against the number one ranked team in the country. So it's it's going to be really fun to see what all they can come up with. And um, again, they're going to be facing Georgia on Friday at home, um, six thirty, and That'll be on 
SEC Network Plus if you want to watch that on TV or you can go to the game. So that's going to just about do it for us today. Um, thank you guys so much for listening in. And um, as always, we appreciate your support. Um, I'm your host, Kristen Carr. You've been listening to Page 8 Podcast brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you.